Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Wow, I went a little hot on the music there. I hope that mm-hmm. got everyone awake, excited to listen about politics. There's one week left in the Utah legislative session. I'm going to admit during this podcast what I admitted earlier today. Um, I am covering the legislative session, but somehow with how life's been working out, have not even walked up on the hill this year, which I'm ashamed to admit. So I will do my best, as always, to discuss these issues without walking on the hill. With us is Mara Carabello <laughs> with the Xoro Group, who's been Hi. up there multiple Hi. times. Greg Hughes, who literally lives up there. Uh, this, uh, it's the most beautiful thing to have the shortest session in America because it's already too long. So it's time to land that plane. Then you mm. get out of there. I've met with several people today who've spent a lot of time up there, and yeah. everyone seems like they're at their breaking point. And yesterday, I think, was like a 14-hour day for a lot of people. I just feel like that boiling sensation. It feels rough right now. It, I, And I, you know, I mean, it feels rougher to me than usual. Maybe not. But it just, it's a marathon, and it is rough right now. And people are afraid, and... Yeah, uh, I feel like also just a shout out to protesters. There seem to have been a lot of protests this yeah, year. Yeah, there are. And a lot of the protests don't even seem to be specifically connected to the legislative session, but just things that are extraneously going on around yeah. in politics with, that are making people mad. So, yeah, it's an interesting time to be alive and here in the great state of Utah. It's going to be a gorgeous weekend, though, so I hope you listen ah, to this gonna podcast be such outside. A good it's going to be pretty. Uh, but lots to talk about. And it seems to me that all of a sudden with one week left, there are a lot of things that I'm sure lots of people have been working hard on behind the scenes, but they're new to me and they seem to be moving fast. So we'll try to go through some of this. Um, one thing that we're watching, I always watch this kind of thing as a journalist, is that we have some bills that would make it so that there might be less public access to government records. I'm a big fan of sunshine laws. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. Um, right now, I believe SB 240, the Government Records Access and Management Act and Amendments. Uh, this is from... Representative Kurt Bramble, uh, it would exempt public officials' calendars from grandma requests. Grandma, if you are not familiar, is how someone like myself would make a request for a news story and ask for uh, government information, and most of the time they give it to us. There's been discussions recently because people wanted the calendar of Attorney General Sean Reyes to understand what he was doing with his time and maybe his connections with former OUR founder Tim Ballard. Uh, but now there might be protections to calendars across the board. Greg, you have a very contemplative, I don't <laughs> yeah. know, face on right now. Yeah. Do you think these calendars should be protected, or do we need to open them up and let people understand what their elected leaders are doing with their time and with who? Or if you have a hot date with someone that's <laughs> not your wife, you want to protect it, you should be able to protect it, and voters don't need to know. Yeah, would you emphasize that that was a wild hypothetical that 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 wasn't you are a good husband with a great wife that is not you. So look, if you're full time, um, if you're on the clock full time as a as a public servant, uh, uh, putting out a calendar of what you're what you're doing or what meetings you're having, I I don't have a I I never. If I just think about it, that would that's not offensive to me. It seems to make sense. Where I think things that got a little cynical or where things got a little weird is that 
uh, I think that reporters started looking at maybe if you're giving a speech and they wanted to see what group you're talking to and if it were a Christian group or if it were some group that they could criticize, it started to feel more political than it was informing about what you're doing on the public, you know, for and on behalf of the public. Again, I go back to if that's full, there's some cynicism about that, but about why people want the, the because calendar. Because you have a private life that you should yeah, be able or, to keep or private. They want to just demonize groups that you might be meeting with and, and make inferences about who you are because of who you're speaking with. I, I, I think there's, that's where cynicism starts, but where it really gets odd for me is, and I, when I was a public servant and I was asked about my calendar, um, because it's not a full-time job, I could give you my calendar of my, during the, during the session, what we did. And cause it was, I was, I was doing it full time, but I didn't provide my business calendar or my social calendar or my private calendar. And it was a part time, it's a part time legislature. And so I, I think that I think it would be the, probably the same for city council members who go to city council meetings uh, once a week, providing their calendars, all of their calendars of what they do every day. I think it's, um, I, I don't, I don't, it just doesn't apply. So I, I think that I think defining this better as Senator Bramble does, I think is good. I think it's good to just get the ambiguity out there and just have, you know, have some bright lines on what uh, the media is entitled to or not. So I think using Greg's explanation, which I don't, I don't fully disagree with, but that's the opportunity I think that the legislative leaders miss the boat on. So one, it definitely felt, and if this wasn't the case, boy, I couldn't see it. It felt like, there was a kerfuffle with the media about a calendar, and then coincidentally, also, a couple a of weeks later, it. there's a bill slamming it down. So that call and response just doesn't, it, it, it's not great leadership. But what I don't understand, and over the decades, we've gone back and forth on this in Utah, so we redefine access a lot. But what I didn't get is exactly what Greg said. Most instances where I have seen requests for public calendars, of which you have at the federal government level, the president, they just make a series of definitions that <laughs> says this is what a public event is, this is what a private yeah. event is, and we don't have to show you our private events, and we'll show you our public ones. So the president releases his calendar every day. It's not everything the president's doing. And sure. I want to get clear on the nuances here. So I'm making like this, he, he's I'm making out this with up. with his son, Hunter. Well, That's or not more that. importantly, if he is hanging out with his secretary of what housing and they're having an internal conversation it's not necessarily a public meeting there, right. there is nuance right. to this so i want to be clear i want to live in the shades of gray clearly you're going to lunch with your wife it's no one's business right. those are easy calls what's a harder call is what if a lawmaker were meeting with a group or a, an individual that was seeking counsel from them i don't think that's a public meeting it's i see though interestingly enough public meetings do maybe include nonprofits or include people petitioning you the united way coming in to talk to you about something so what i don't know is why not say our default position is public meetings should be public am i am i'm acting on the behalf of the state you yeah. should kind of know what yep. i and then i totally agree representatives and senators you choose what it would mean to be a public meeting then. But here's the thing that, that I think where they shot themselves in the foot. If this, in fact, came from the accusation of being available to speak at a right-wing Christian group and there was criticism there. So I all Christians right-wing? I, I guarantee you that 
if he had released his weekly calendar, we would have all been pleasantly surprised by the amount of different people he listens to. So it felt like instead of being afraid of the media, if they just tried to sort of work with them, I think we would all be surprised at the breadth and depth of the leadership meetings that people take. I know both, I believe that both our our president and, and speaker actually try and meet with anyone who asks, maybe not in the middle of the session, but it's it's not impossible to get meetings with people here. So I think that had they been a little more nuanced and a little more sophisticated, defaulted to we're going to share with the public as much as we can, now it just looks like they're playing hide the ball. Now it gets conflated with the attorney general's troubles. I just think it was a bad PR move. And I think it would have been fair to say, you know what, we do want to show you our public calendars, but we are going to define what public means. It doesn't mean you have access yeah. to everything I do all the time. I'm a, as you suggest, I'm a part-time lawmaker. This law will apply to to council members and and mayors, just like you said. So I think there could be some nuances there. But to shut down the media just tends to exacerbate the conversation. Just makes not it worse. Yeah, sure. That's my point of view. Well, uh, lightning speed. I know that there's been a lot going on behind the scenes, but I feel like it's been very quick in the public's mind eye that we've all of a sudden been talking about NHL, um, MLB. Uh, all of it coming to Utah, and I think there's excitement because uh, the concept of having these big teams here and new stadiums is all super awesome. But uh, we were kind of just recently introduced to the idea that this might be a real possibility here in the state of Utah. A couple families, the Miller family, who obviously has a lot of money, and also uh, current jazz owners who have a lot of money are very invested in this and working on it behind the scenes. So there's a lot of questions about when you have billions of dollars, what can you do on the own, on your own? And when do you need the legislature to get involved? And obviously there's reasons for uh, both. So we have a couple bills right now. The MLB one is House Bill 562, Utah Fair Park Area Investment and Restoration District. We also have the NHL bill, which is um, Senate Bill 272, which is the Capital City Reinvestment Zone Amendments. And that's um, from Senator Dan McKay. So I want to start with the MLB. This one, to help in the funding, would raise hotel taxes. So a lot of people who are probably from outside of Utah coming to visit, their taxes would go up um, as they're staying here to help us um, pay for this. There would also be bonding to cover the cost of the development and construction of the stadium. Mara, is this a smart way to go about this? Has this been well thought out? Is it moving too quickly? Where are you seeing this? So one, I like that we're talking about them separately. They're very different Mm -hmm. bills. There's Mm -hmm. a very different approach. And where I think we've gone wrong is that I think there are two really important public policy discussions. One is, do we all want a stadium? And two is, what's the process to get to the stadium. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that, for lack of a better word, I think there's been a lot of peer pressure. That's my nice version <laughs> of saying there's been some major political kneecapping. Mm. That if you disagree with the process being used, then you're a jerk and don't want Major League Baseball. So let me tell you where I am. I want Major League Baseball, maybe. I love baseball, and I would probably be a season ticket innings. holder. I love all the innings. My family has been Rocky ticket owners since the first year the Rockies were the 92? last expanding expansion team in Denver. So I love baseball. But this package has some really questionable things from a good tax point of view. And I also don't like... I, I think the public would have a lot more support if you dealt with them sort of straightforwardly. So one thing I'll just say, so, so 
this group of people keep conflating that if you want baseball, you therefore have to like what I'm telling you in terms of funding. So a couple of funding things that I find astonishing from our Republican legislators is a statewide tax to pay what for what is a regional stadium. And there's just no data to show that Moab is going to be benefited by this. Here's what doesn't bother me. My case for support for MLB would be that it two reasons. One, I think it's a cultural boon. I think we're at a we're at a cultural tipping point and we're finally a big enough metropolitan area that we can handle more restaurants and more bars and more clubs and more comedians and more and I think sports fits into that. And I also believe that a really rich bunch of people have said, "Hey, listen, I'll invest 3.5 million to make no mistake." You invest money to make money. You don't, in, you, private sector does not invest as a benevolent act. And if the government wanted to say, listen, we're going to pony up just to get that money in. But what they're selling us is that it will help the economy of the region. And they're also telling us it'll help the economy of the state. There's so many studies that debunk that, that with a straight face, you can't tell that to me. So one, just tell me why you want to do it. It's not going to help the West Side. So like, don't sell me that pile. I don't like when people sell me things that aren't true. Sell me something that is true, which is we got a major player who wants in. Now, in terms of the timeline, no, they don't have to pass it this legislative session. But the principles of it are really probably not great fundamentals. TRT statewide is a horrible play. They were better off when they were regionalizing it. And this distinguishes itself from the topic we'll talk about next because I don't feel the same way um, about the other. And TRT is transient room tax. That is your tax on hotels, lodging, Airbnb, those types of things. And then they're going to place an additional tax on any restaurants and bars. The other thing that I just think is egregious, and every Republican, I am taking away your conservative card, the fact that taxpayers will own this stadium, holy guacamole, man. That's just so fundamentally unsound. I'm going to end my diatribe by saying, do I want MLB? Yes. Do I think there's a role for taxpayer money? Yes. But you don't get to hoodwink me into saying that I'm not a supporter unless I buy everything you're selling me. Those are two different policy discussions, and I find it, I, I find it insulting that I have to buy the entire package in less than 10 days or I'm not a supporter. I'm a huge yeah. supporter. I'm a supporter of the Millers. I'm a supporter of their investment in this area. But I think what they cobbled together is less than perfect and less than good for the state. All right, there's always one more than one way to skin a baseball. Do you agree with Mara on this? Or are you all in? Yeah, do I Let's seem a bit subdued done? today? Can you sense a the, little bit. The mel- my melancholy uh, What's attitude? making you all sad? It's depressing, and this is actually what's depressing me. Okay. Not in a million years did I think that our Republican legislature, supermajority, would go around and tax this entire state on its hotel and lodging. And by the way, that isn't if someone tells you that that is out-of-state people – Understand that probably 40%, 39 to 40% of the hotels and Airbnb bookings are Utahns that are traveling around Utah. Um, if you get to some counties, that can be as high as 70%. I of just it. dropped a heck of a lot of money in St. George last weekend. I've yeah. done it. I've the done rates it go up super high. Well, so hoteliers yeah. today in committee, this passed out of committee today mm-hmm. and it actually went to the floor and it's, if it hasn't passed, it will. But the hotelier today in, in um, Washington County said that in his hotel, it's close to 50% that are Utah staying. Yeah. I so, so when I read... People saying, well, you know, out-of-state people are only going to pay for this. It's just not true. Uh, this is a tax on Utahns. It's a statewide tax uh, for 
a billionaire's baseball stadium and, and on North Temple, and I, I find it to be, uh, a, I think it's a it's a cavalier and reckless use of taxpayer dollars and tax increases for a ballpark that, to Mara's point, you can't find an economist that tells you that the economy's improved by it. It isn't. It is. It is not the lift that I think some think it is. And having been a lifelong baseball fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is a small market team, this is not a mid-market team. Salt Lake is a small market team. It's the 29th market in terms of size in America. It would be one of the smallest television markets. And by the way, in baseball, they don't share television contracts. So yeah. you get what you what your what your size of your market is if you're lucky. Um, it's not competitive baseball. This is the thing about baseball. They if we think if we're excited to watch, you know. 80-something games at home, but 100 losses a year, which is what Kansas City Royals and Pittsburgh Pirates and the small market teams Denver do. Denver Rockies. Denver We're Rockies right do. Um, then, then I guess that's a great idea. But I don't just like baseball. I like competitive baseball. This, this system for Major League Baseball does really, really well for the owners. So why would there even be owners in these small market, te- in these small market cities? Well, the big uh, teams like New York Yankees and Los Angeles Dodgers, they have what they call a luxury tax. As soon as their collective salary for their players gets over $370 million, they have a luxury tax they have to pay the small market teams. Those small market owners get a lot, a lot of money from those big giant contracts those big market teams spend, but they don't, they're not required. There's no salary cap, no salary floor to put those, that money into the salaries of their baseball team. And so you see a disparity of the amount of, 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 salaries paid for baseball teams you see uh, records in these baseball uh, teams that look like that and that's just baseball but i'm going to tell you to to tax every single county when if you live in southern utah you're closer to the los angeles or to las vegas you could probably go to a major league baseball game a lot quicker than what you're going to be taxed or the people are going to be taxed in washington county to to see the one up here in and salt lake so it's it just seems like uh, in the public finance part there's graveyards of publicly owned sports venues around this country that they get torn down with existing public debt. There's no example where this works. This has so been it's an a, interesting education because so I'm not super educated me. on this. this but it's a bummer because I will yeah. say I am a supporter of MLB. I think this is a substandard package that we can do better. I think we should say yes to the Millers. I just think we should not do it rushed and have to trade well, why out can't on you stuff. Just, why can't they borrow the money at the state rate or do something like that? Why or, do you have to give, or, why do you got to raise everyone's taxes and hand it over? Or do geographically based or don't just do transient room and actually make these billionaires be more cooperative. But there, there's just so many good solutions. And I'm not against government funding either. Like I'm not against any of the fundamentals. I just think this execution has not been... The best we well, can get. Well, let me ask you this. How does Seattle, Washington, which I wouldn't call it a Republican bastion, require that the NHL expansion team, the, the Seattle Kraken, it's a privately funded arena. It didn't take the taxpayer dollars to do it. So no one can tell me that there's not a private way to, to fund a stadium Although or an arena. a highly unusual model. I mean, very few You're right, but I'm just saying, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Exactly. I'm saying if I can find examples where the, and they've shown that the, the, the uh, you know, this won't be shocking. Those that are privately financed are a bit less per square foot. Like they aren't, you know, they, they don't cost as much, but you're getting the same thing. So I, I'm just, it, it, it's actually, the other it's thing, actually the, depressed The me. one other Honestly, also add, I'll say as, as a liberal, I always get nervous when we have business cased out 
the restaurants, bars, revenue, franchise agreement, but they are, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it when it comes to law enforcement, homeless, housing, affordability, and neighborhoods being taken care of. I, we're hearing a whole lot of, don't worry, we'll do the right thing there. And then we've got some fine details around the economic, the private sector stuff. I always get nervous with that. But here's how this story ends. And what I think we need to grapple with in Utah is it is and was inevitable, it seems, you know? I mean, that was what I'm struck by this process is that the inevitability of it. It's like so Thanos how you, from Avengers. So how do you reconcile that, I think, is a really interesting political question. Whether you're for it or against it, um, how do we change You're the system? You're only allowed to be for it. Didn't you get the so memo? So is it going to pass? Of oh, course. yes. The it's memo's been sent. Through. It's, it passed it's out passed. of committee w- unanimously. So yeah. Republican and Democratic support. The Everyone who testified, it was probably n- nine to one f- in favor. Um, it, it's a bipartisan celebration. Like, this thing's going to fly. Okay, so let's switch to the NHL, get some ice involved. Um, hmm. The Capital City Reinvestment Zone Amendments, This puts much of the decision-making power into the hands of the city by letting it create a sports and entertainment project area. It could be up to 50 acres. It's that um, basically area all around the Delta Center. It allows bonds to be issued. Uh, It would also raise Salt Lake City sales tax if you're buying anything inside the city from 7.75 to 8.25%. That wouldn't be the highest in the state. I did some research. I think Park City and Summit County has the highest. Theirs is at 9.05% or something like that. Uh, the mayor's already said that she's on board. Are we hating this as much as the other one, or are we buying into this, Greg? I, I, the, so, again, we're back to the taxpayer-paid uh, arenas, which I, I do question whether that has to be the formula. But at least this one takes the, the geography and the location in which this would be built, and it, it looks to raise the tax and, and leverage the tax base of that area to build the arena. That is a far cry from a statewide tax of everybody for something on North Temple in Salt Lake City. This at least looks to build it up from the ground, trying to capture a tax base uh, from the activity that would happen on that property or that area, that entertainment district area of the two. I mean, I, I joked with Senator McKay, I've never seen a bill look more beautiful when it's compared to the other one. It, it shines compared to the other bill. So. Um, if it was on its own, it might have more critics. But you, when you compare it to the other giveaway, this one looks a it's lot more fair. Bad and less bad is awesome. <laughs> no, I think this is a good I'm, bill. I'm, I'm not kinda, even. A, I'm kind of there. I, I'm not I think even it's... a less bad. One of the things that it does is that the legislature stays in the lane that I think they should be in, which is, hey, local jurisdiction, we authorize you to make a choice. And yeah, so now what will is happen true. is the local jurisdiction, Salt Lake City, will make the choice. And that's where the decision should be made. And the local jurisdiction will be in control. Now, I am more impacted likely by this bill. Um, this is an area where uh, the, the broader area I, I work in. And so I will likely pay more incremental tax this way. And I think this is a great investment of public money. City's in control. City can make decisions. And really importantly, as a Salt Laker, who is now facing some pretty steep taxes because we're tax and spenders here, which I'm okay with, um, one of the things that I think is really important is the case for support here is I I totally agree that Salt Lake, downtown Salt Lake City can't afford to lose the Delta Center. So this also has a different sort of 
value calculation Mm -hmm. is I think there's, if you talked about a missed opportunities on North Temple, I don't know that MLB is the best opportunity there, but for sure it is critical that Salt Lake City and downtown keep its arena. So this also really reinforces existing assets. So I think this is a clean, good bill. The levers are where they should be. Interestingly enough, it's about the same level of investment. So when you look at it from a taxation point of view, the lift is pretty similar. But this is a clean bill that has the mechanisms where they should be, which is hyper-geographic and local control. So I think this is a good bill. And, and this is what I'd say. If the Republican, supermajority of Republicans are sending $2 billion of taxpayer money to these two, an arena and a baseball stadium, how about some, how about some dealing with the crime here? How about how about having a city where t- whether it's the homeless issue or it's I think the they're rampant trying to pour crime money on the homeless issue? I mean, I don't know how good of an investment two billion dollars is going to be if we're not going to see the lawlessness addressed here or the homelessness. We've got some re- this this city of Salt Lake has some real challenges of which I'm not seeing aggressively addressed. And then it's, and then while that's not happening very well, you got two billion dollars of new investment coming into the city. I don't know. I hope something becomes a catalyst to to see things turn around in Salt Lake City. Maybe this will be it. This was a fascinating process to watch both of these bills unfold at the same time. I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know who. There's been some planning going on behind the scenes. Well, I mean, it was bad People that have power and money. Yeah, well, they didn't make a good plan. If you told me that the theme of this session would be feathering the nest of two billionaires with arenas and baseball parks. <laughs> I would not have said that would be the theme for the session this and year. And again, but what's it. interesting is I'm for the investment. I just think process matters. And one got the process right. I think the other, it's it's the less, it, it, I think we can do better than we're doing. Which also, like the issue I remembered I wanted to talk about. Oh was yeah, the you have one you wanted cut. to talk about. Hey, before we move on yeah. from this NHL thing, don't forget, I just wanted to say I'll be interesting to see what they do with it because I don't know a lot about hockey. I've never been one to watch it. But people who love hockey tell me that watching hockey in uh, the Delta Center is not going to be fun because the, the way it's built, yeah, you don't see yeah. the sidelines. And so I'll be interested to see if they can make it a place that's can where, do you, both. where you want to. They're going to have to change both. it. Yeah, that, it isn't. It, it doesn't lend itself. I watched Golden Eagles games there and or hockey games mm-hmm. and the sidelines you can't. There's parts you can't see. So the, it would have to be a different arena. Or they'd have to reconstruct it or do something. By the way, NHL has a far better. Uh, uh, financial or, or just arrangement on how yeah. and how competitive these teams could be. So Las Vegas got an expansion team not long ago, the Golden Knights, and they yep. won the Stanley Cup not long after. There's a there's a parity and a competitiveness in the NHL and how it's structured with guess what salary caps like the NFL and others that baseball doesn't have. But that is that is a sport and it's an Olympic sport. We are an Olympic city. I mean, there's a, there's even a stronger connection there with hockey just because of the Olymp- Winter Olympics and. It's a sport that, uh, again, I'm, an, I'm a fan of, and uh, it's, but it's a competitive one. Every, every team, wh- whether the size of the metropolitan area, has a good shot. All right. Miracle on ice here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We're hoping for it to happen. All right. Tell me about uh, So the your issue bill. that this was coupled with that I keep thinking is so interesting is, I think it's in the House, Greg may know better than I, uh, the tax cut, the $170 million proposed tax cut this year. And I just find these two conversations that are mm-hmm. happening, or the three conversations, I just don't even get them. I don't even get how you can offer. So I just, here's the tax cut. If you make an average, so um, 33000 to 61000 you get $43. You're going to yeah. get your 43 bucks back. If you make a little more, 61 to 99 
you're going to get $67 back. Yeah. I just feel like you just gave a bunch of money to whether, and I'm, I'm for the stadiums, but I don't, I think they're, uh, I think they're on the nice list, not the need list. (laughs) And, and then we do still have major affordability and housing problems. Although I know they put a pool of money aside. We just saw a round of budget adjustments in which we're going to do okay. But there was an interesting article in the Deseret News yesterday that suggested that if in fact they pass this tax cut, it may impact Uh, the current budget numbers make it not look so appealing anymore that it may end biting us a little later only to give us, you know, 43 bucks back. Yeah, it makes no sense. I was doing the math last night before I saw those numbers that you had and I was looking at it and if you make 50,000, 50 bucks, if you make 100,000, 100 bucks, it probably sounds good for the legislature to say, guys, we gave you $170 million. But when it comes down to each person, I'm going to fill up my gas tank once and then I'm going to get charged more when I go to the grocery store with my higher tax right there. Well, again, it adds to my my mood. It's it's bipolar. You're if you, if, if you're a Republican, and you're a supply sider and you're trying to say, look, pe- money inside people's pockets, money for people in businesses doing, you know, to to invest or to to expand or to hire more people. All of that's great. I'm a supply sider. I do not know how you raise taxes to the tune of 50 million a year bonding for a billion dollars, raising taxes statewide for a baseball stadium while you're handing out a, a tax cut, uh, pick a path. Are you a supply sider or not? I mean, I, I just find it to be it, it, the, 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 the depth or the substance of the policy seems to be more shallow and a box to check to say, as you've said, Heidi, I got to cut taxes when you're raising taxes across the state. It, it's again, I just, it, it feels more like political pageantry than anything substantive. And I, I'm just surprised. I, I did not expect that out of this session this year. I It's been hard to watch. Yeah, there's been some interesting surprises. And going along with this, too, we weren't planning on talking about it, but there is an alcohol bill that I didn't realize was going through right now, too, which is interesting because I know there's always a waiting list of people who want to open a restaurant and they want to serve alcohol, and we just don't have enough licenses. So apparently... Um, this one is getting pretty hot and heated, and I think what they're trying to do, Mara, you understand this better, but right now I think you have to have – there's one license for every 10,200 people in the state. They want to lower that to 7,200, and that would come with some trade-offs as well. Yeah, the 10-2 is arbitrary, and, and everyone agrees that it was just chosen. It's not tied to it anything. It was just a number. So the reduction is is not tied to anything either. So you can – meaning you can make that political choice. Um, and the other thing I think that is also coupled with it is they're looking at an increase in what is already an incredibly marked up commodity, right? Liquor is marked up at about an 87% um, rate. They're also trying to tie this to homelessness, which, to be honest, I find offensive. Where's the homeless <laughs> I, I, I just feel like this is like when the lottery helps children. And I also just find the, the coupling offensive so they're and saying that, so in keeping with our bad attitude so about consumption. So they're saying that homeless drink? That, that, no, no, no. <laughs> well, that, they're using that rubbing the alcohol. services they're not by it. all of those nasty bad drinkers will use your syntax to pay for homelessness seems uh, like a good bit of bad economics and some and some pretty snarky virtue signaling on on the state's part. So the bill's getting a little gnarly. It, it hasn't been settled yet in terms of what its ultimate outcome will be. I think uh, at the 100,000-foot level, to get more licenses, um, particularly when you look at how many um, how much growth we're looking at, it's almost just staying up with growth. It's mm-hmm. not like we're going to be littered with bars. 
Well, we, we saw this uh, back when City Creek was uh, being uh, finished and they had restaurants there. Uh, there was a shortage of liquor licenses. Mm-hmm. And so we actually went into a special session to change the, the, the quote, the population quota to allow for more liquor licenses because we were seeing development. We were seeing new restaurants come online and there weren't uh, licenses to meet that demand. And so I think to your point, Mara, as the state continues to grow, uh, this is just a natural uh reaction to that you have to have that you have to have those those licenses for those uh, restaurants and, and bars to be successful but i think don't you think that since republicans have taken this perfectly good free market commodity and socialized it on their own don't you think you should stop virtue signaling at least like i always feel like when a cop pulls me <laughs> over i feel like when a cop pulls me over he should either give me a ticket or give me a lecture but not both mm. and that's sort of how i feel about nice. our liquor loss either give me a ticket or give me a lecture but don't give me both like don't vilify it and do all this just like you you've already taken this perfectly good commodity and you're just like blatantly using it for your own good it should be a part of the free market and you're doing yeah. that by doing all this it's, silly it's virtue kind of history that I, I when like i was it. there they always t- they like one year we when we raised it we raised uh, law enforcement on duis yeah. uh, and and funding those when we raised the the number of uh, alcohol liquor even licenses. though we know that that kind of policing doesn't have any efficacy yeah well so i yeah i think you're right you, it, you have to feel good by doing it so you got to throw some money towards a towards a good where's cause. the church at on this conversation they're always in the conversation right they are always in the conversation and by the church i mean the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints <laughs> just in case that we're not connected. by the yeah. way that was an easy one when it was city creek i'll just say <laughs> When anyway. the property because owner they, stood they to benefit, that was had a lot less. Uh, I, hate, speed bumps I hear in their it. private financing is doing well. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I otherwise I, Victoria's Secret could have taken that spot, and we know that would have been bad. No, that wouldn't have worked. They yeah. are in the middle of it. I mean, they're they are really good at navigating this. This has been an area of interest, and I'll say it should be an area of interest. I mean, they're. There for abstinence, and so, and they are in the middle of this. So they, they're I, what a stakeholder. I can tell they have an appropriate is, role. I do believe. I they truly, have an I'm, oversized an honesty, role, but I'm okay with it. I think it. they have an appropriate role. I th- I think that if we were in Rome and and uh, and the Pope or the Catholic Church had an opinion about what was happening in Rome, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked by that. I would think they they yeah. are a stakeholder in that city, and yeah, I think uh, I think that they are stakeholders. The Church of Jesus I Christ gr- Latter Day Saints. I agree with you. Yeah. So it's good. This was just a random thought, but when you <laughs> said Rome, have you guys seen any of the idiocy that's coming out of the Google image searches? So they have a new AI. <laughs> no. And apparently their AI was How do you find this? <laughs> just like, just read the news. But basically, I guess people were asking it questions because Google, I think people have been talking more about chat GPT and others, right. but apparently the Google searches, people would go in there and say, show me George Washington. And it would be like a black man. And they're like, okay, well that's not George Washington. And then uh, somebody said, show me the Pope. And there was a black man and a black woman. And while there's been a whole lot of popes, there's never been a woman. And I think there's been like Latin American popes, white popes, but whoever trained the Google images is changing like historic artwork. Show me the girl with the pearl earring. Also, uh, maybe they were just showing you Janetta and Joe Pope. Maybe. So <laughs> it, they need to work on like getting it right. I uh, mean, you know, yeah, so are you know. saying that, that there's a there's a political correctness to the uh, A.I. that they're they're trying to be sensitive no, no. to the diversity no, she is of not individuals saying that at all. Crazy Grace. I'm saying That's not what she was saying. No, no. That they're no. not being accurate. I thought they were to people history. of color. Everything that was not color. No, that, no, that was so not the point of the story. I want to no? go ask it though. No. Like, show me Greg Hughes and see what it shows me. And it, okay, Mar. And if it shows me as a is is as a woman as a woman is yeah is are they just trying to be more diverse? Maybe 
they, they, the internet. Yeah, no, the AI, whatever <laughs> the we're people, calling it, whatever the, the AI's pronoun is. What do you call AI? Oh, so now the, the AI is liberal. I don't know, man. It's got a, it's, it. Doesn't you it think? are in so much trouble if thinks. AI is liberal? Oh, uh, my think, work here is done. If AI I totally is believe it's liberal. I, I think those that designed it were liberal, and they made it to well, be liberal. Well, then my work here is done. I think I shall done. sleep easily. Yeah, you're going to lose a job, show, though. I hate to tell you, they're not going to need you anymore because they yeah, get you that's covered. Inevitable. Feed us what the internet tells us to give us. <laughs> that was random thoughts of. Coming up this next week, well, first of all, Saturday is going to be the primary in South Carolina. That's where Nikki Haley is down by about 30 to 33 points, depending on what poll you're looking at. The 538 average, I think, has her behind by about 30%. Uh, Then following that, here in Utah next week, we are going to be dealing with, in March, our... uh, presidential preference poll is that we're calling it i keep wanting to call it a caucus but it has a more official name i will not try to disrespect it uh and then we have a democratic primary going on and along with that uh nikki haley who is not dropping out of the race will be here in utah speaking at uvu and the herbert center uh that happens uh coming up on wednesday next week and then the gop presidential caucus i'm just going to call it that instead of a presidential preface preference poll is march 5th um Nikki Haley, Mara, is she wasting her time or is it important that she's still a part of the conversation in a very weird year where we should be able to have I'm loving people her. to decide between? And here's why. We just got, I, like, I am feeling so flattened this week by political inevitability. And that is why Nikki Haley should stay in. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Mr. D. Trump is going to be the guy. But that does not mean that the discussion should be over. I am buying what she's selling. We don't have kings, and we deserve to have conversations. The Except other on important the Democrat thing, side, right? The other important. Is there well, any good? Is there any good about? debate? Look at there's there's, there's oh, six the, people in this. Yeah, it's getting the same there attention, isn't it? There's six people in this. So I love that she's staying in it. The other thing that I think is really important is she still has the money to. What does that mean? That means people who want that political conversation are still supporting her. And that's why we exercise our right to support people. She still has money, which means there's still people who want to hear what she has to say. Democrat donors. She's not being crazy about anything. She's just calling into account two old men. And I'm loving that she's This is the perfect. You've said it all. You've made my case. Democrats absolutely want. Nikki Haley to stay in the race because it's always nice That's when a Republican true. rips on Biden Trump and not out. them. Biden's no, campaign wants a head to head. No, look, her all largest the, donor, all the Democratic her largest donors are Democrats. So I'm all telling the Democratic you, strategists want a head to head. We still have a race right now, though. It's no, frustrating it's to me that we're at a point where we're having primaries and caucuses, cockeye, I'll call them, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like cacti. That we're still having these, but there's like no one. What's the incentive for anyone yeah. to show well, up to these? Because if we already have the inevitability. It's like, why get involved? Why show I think up? We're, I why think be we're a being, part of the conversation? Uh, this is my conspiracy th- hat oh, theory hat conspiracy. coming on. I, I think we're getting duped. I, I have a hard time believing that Nikki Haley is, I've heard it for so long that she's 30 points behind in South Carolina. She is the two-term governor of that state. Um, I do know, I do realize that many of her political appointees that went upward and onward are all supporting Trump. I, I, I see all that. I've heard the negative commentary about her in her own state. But if she really only lost by 12 or 15 points it would look like she overperformed at this point when everyone thinks it's 30 points um how in the world if you've been a two-term governor of that state and you can't get closer than double digits against an opponent are you a viable candidate so i don't think she has viability if if she loses the way they're saying that she's going to lose if it's a close race and it's in your own state at least shows that you have some 
uh, electability. But if you can't win in the state in which you served as governor uh, and, and you lose by double digits, I just think it's, it's, it's not real anymore. But she's not wasting your time, so what do you care? You don't have to listen to her. You just like her because she rips on Trump, and you need more than just well, Democrats to rip like on Trump. Everybody who rips on Trump, Trump. Yes. But that's like my status quo. This yes. is I'm going above and beyond. So here. I'm just saying, you liking I, her I'm in the race is just not, not wasting really your time. It's just entertainment for you. You love it. She's not it's, wasting it's your not time. real. I don't want a dog in this race. I'm not allowed to have an opinion, but I do appreciate that there's still a conversation just because it feels frustrating to me. And I think it's just because we know that there's an inevitability yeah. this year that I appreciate there's still a conversation to be had. I'll be interested to see at the presidential preface caucus. I can see, I can't even say it. Presidential pref- preference. preference. It's like preference, like the dance where you get to go girls pref. Um, I just, I'll be interested to see how many people show up and how many people still vote for people who may have dropped out of the race, like if there's Ramaswamy fans or, or DeSantis, DeSantis fans. Yeah. It'll just be interesting to see. But I do think there's going to be a lot of people who maybe would have showed up to talk and like vote for them that now that everyone's dropped out, that they just aren't going to make the time to show up because it takes time. Yeah. And I went online yesterday. You can vote absentee, but there's a process to it. And I think um, someone told me, I didn't go through the process because I didn't have the time on my hands, but you have to fill out a paper. You can fill it out. Then you have to drop it to somebody in your neighborhood who's in charge. It just, it seems sort of labor intensive if you don't want to show up and you have to do something else. Yeah, that's the slogan of the caucus, labor intensive. Labor intensive. But if you do want to be enjoying the Democratic primary, uh, Marianne Williamson, Gabrielle Cornejo, Dean Phillips, Frank Lozada, and Joseph Biden Jr., We'll all be there that you can vote for. Um, so that's coming up. I know a lot of people will. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking year. forward to get past the South Carolina uh, primary because I think that just kind of. It's I, been I, weighing heavy on you. It's been weighing so heavy. <laughs> no, I just think that it's it just kind of signals whether she's viable or not. And, and then we can just move on from there. So when is she done, do you think? Well, the Democrats will continue to give her money to run so that she can still be that gadfly. How dare anyone exercise those rights? How dare they? Well, they're not doing it for the most. How dare they? I question the motivation, but that's okay. But you don't question Trump's motivation. Here's my question. You can donate to anyone you want. It's a free country. I'm just saying those that are, (laughs) I don't think they they think they got the horse that's going to win the race. I think they're just, they're doing it for other reasons. So here's the question I have. We have a presidential debate that's coming up here in Utah, and it's one of the last ones before the election. Are we actually going to see our presidential candidates on the stage in Utah, or are we going to put all the planning in, and we're going to have an empty stage that nobody shows up to? So Trump is the master of having, you know, wagging the dog. And he can see down the road to say, oh, my gosh, I own every debate by my refusal to show up and the continued response of the far-right media to give me a platform as an alternative. I think there's no way he cannot screw around with the presidential debates and do the old, am I going to show, am I not? I think he's going to totally mess with the debates. He has so far. What about Um, Biden? Um, I mean, is he going to show up? Well, see, this is the conundrum we're all in. Do we give Biden an hour platform? No. But what happens when when I don't think, I still maintain that I don't believe that Biden will be the, the Democrat nominee. I okay. think there's going to be a switch at the at the da- Democrat You're National still Convention. Okay. I do. So I, I fundamentally I believe I it. I never want to feed Greg's crazy, but there's this <laughs> really Maybe it'll be interesting. RFK Jr. only on the stage it's and nobody else shows up. The Ezra Klein show, which is Washington, or New York Times. Okay. But really interesting discussion about here's how an open Democratic Convention <laughs> oh, would work. Oh, amazing. And how do they work? He walks through this, like, wouldn't it be cool 
if the Democratic convention, we didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, like, how do amazing tell. Um, would oh, that this be? is such a new concept. <laughs> so yeah. I just think it really is. If I'm Kamala is. Harris, I am ca- I am invoking the 25th Amendment and getting him out of there now <laughs> so that I got my place as the incumbent because she is going to get shown the door. It's going to be Michelle Obama oh, or Gavin Newsom. Newsom. President Newsom. Yeah. I hope it's Newsom. I hope it's not Michelle Obama because I am afraid of her. I think she'll win. Walking away. She could arm wrestle you and take you. No, she, she's going to win. She's very popular. She'll win. Yeah. Um, I want to check in real quick on the primary races. I know that we're not paying a ton of attention to them, but uh, Governor Cox, I saw, turned in his 28,000 signatures. When I checked, nothing had been certified yet. Blake Moore, I think, was the first to actually have his certified. He might be down by a couple hundred. And in the third district, in I can I cannot talk today. Someone needs to put me in bed. Interestingly enough, uh, Case Lawrence, who is new a newcomer kind of to these political races, he's already turned in his seven thousand. What I'm sort of interested in is how quickly people who I think otherwise a couple of years ago would have been very against getting the signatures to get on the ballot are like, all right, let's do it. Let's get the signatures and go for it. I suffered from the from a an unintended consequence or an unexpected consequence in the convention only Mm. path this last summer. So I've been, have you learned your lesson? I, you know, if there had been, if it had been a more traditional to come out of the convention, I would have been fine. But uh, where I was in a winner take all special election, um, there was a lot, you you can throw a motion at the delegates at the very last second where it's not as high information of an election cycle as I love about the caucus convention cycle. And so I think there's some pitfalls there that I think people have watched in this last go round and don't want to be subject to last second attacks where, you know, people would vote out of fear instead of uh, maybe a, the candidate. They so like. the governor watched what happened to you in the caucus. I think it's governor. I, but I do think that like a candidate like Carolyn Fippen for Senate, I think, yeah. uh, bef- I think before she would have been a convention only candidate. And I think she's pursuing signatures now. And I think it, that her example of why would be because of what some of the, the games or things that have happened in conventions as of late. I'm pleased with the mainstreaming of of the signature gathering efforts. One, I think it makes for more rigorous primaries, which I think helps average people participate. More choices is more choices. Yeah, but um, I do think I really like that the litmus test is slowly going away. As, as Greg said a few cycles ago, it was a dicey move, mm-hmm. particularly for conservatives. It never was for Democrats or moderates, but it was a dicey move for a hardline conservative person to say, oh, they weren't going, they, they, they were going to signature gather. It was somehow a capitulation to the moderate Republicans. Now I see that test going away and people just see it as a strategic move um, and more and more candidates, even hardliners yeah, I, seem I, to be getting the signatures. The thing I liked it is I, I just think it's a, it's a higher information elect, higher information election cycle, meaning you get to look at people, answer whatever question they have for you, and you better have an answer. You better be able to make your case. And I love holding candidates to a standard that high versus direct Having mail. Having more people and vote for them. Direct mail and just, just the mass hey, media of less I say if it's good enough substance. to elect people in November, it's good enough to okay. make That's the right. decision mm-hmm. in a primary. You mentioned Carolyn Fiplin, and I wanted to mention her really quickly. I'm pretty much sick of talking about Natalie Klein at this point, but she's still making headlines with just about every city council, county council, school district, uh, asking for her to step down or censuring her in some ways. The legislature did. Carolyn Fippen got into the conversation this week talking about some of the conservative talking points, saying that um, if we're going to hold her accountable, should we be holding others accountable? I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. She's running for uh, the Senate seat that Mitt Romney is uh, walking away from. 
One of her tweets uh, this week said, could someone please send me the new speech rules in Utah? Apparently the governor publicly calling a special needs kid an a-hole is appropriate. A sitting state senator commenting positively on a child being used for sexual gratification is appropriate. Posting a public photo and stating a fact then apologizing is not appropriate. Uh, She says, I'm just trying to get this straight. Who wants to go first on this? Uh, Does she have a valid point that we're not holding everyone to the same account or... Where do you stand? Uh, uh, certainly there exists in the political arena selective logic and selective outrage. And there, it's just inherent and it's it does exist for fact. Um, hats off to KUTV's Brian Malahi. I thought that his ability to get Natalie Klein on in a long interview, um, at least you got to hear a perspective from her of maybe parents that had reached out to her asking questions about the what their the teams their daughters were playing and how they were they weren't able to get answers. I'm not making any defense for her. I'm just saying that it was interesting to hear what her mindset was when she posted that and to hear how she, when she saw the direction of those, the comments, uh, more focused towards the, the student, the student athlete, she took it down. I was glad to hear that because I, I do, I do feel like that poor young lady was so unfairly, uh, highlighted and, and, and it was wrong. And I don't think that even in her explanation, I don't think gives her any pass, but Thank, I liked that you have a reporter here that, that, and she was willing to at least explain and express her regret and admit that she was wrong. But I think that context is important. Um, and I think that there was some good journalism that helped bring that out and inform the public. If you want to hear it, it is posted in its entirety. I think it's about 40 minutes on KUTV's YouTube page. Um, so you still, what would you choose if you, if you had to say, go cancel her? Does she need to step down? Should she not run? Is her I, apology enough? I, I think I think that because uniquely she's facing a re-election in real time, uh, that there is no greater lever of accountability than this campaign and election right now. And I think that her opponent, uh, I, I have to imagine that this is going to be a major issue uh, in that campaign. And she's going to have to make her best case and let the people decide. That is going to be the refiner's fire on that issue. The, the, the issue that I've had, as I've watched this happen, though, I, I think – if we do have, if we if we feel badly that this poor young lady, this basketball player, was was unfairly uh, targeted or highlighted in a, in, in a wrong way, I don't think continuing to talk about Natalie Klein and that incident serves that young lady necessarily. I think that how she gets her life back or how she gets to find normalcy versus how we punish Natalie Klein, I don't think it's the same path. I don't think it's the same way. I don't think you do the same exact things. She's got an election to face, and I think the people will speak, and they will be the ultimate decider, As and I think that's very appropriate. And I would like to see uh, this issue, at least for and on behalf of the young lady that was in that tweet, I'd like her to disappear, like not have a digital footprint or record of, of that question and that issue that she has nothing to do with. I, I think she deserves to have a private life and enjoy her high school years, and I'd like that to be left alone. So I, I don't want to stoke the fires, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mara. So I'm going to maybe shift away from Natalie Klein and stick with Carolyn Pippen because like yeah. many people, Fippen. I'm Fippen. I'm over, the. I'm not meaning, I'm not dismissive of it, but I feel like the Natalie Klein issue, I think she's lost the public trust and confidence. I hope she has lost and how we all express that is through an election. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I hate... This tweet from Carolyn Fippen. 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 Because it it went the wrong way. It's dragging us deeper into the mud. She's flippant. She's sarcastic. 
Um, she's trying to score political points. She's also taking the rare point of view of defending Natalie Klein's position, which if I was her campaign advisor, just probably wouldn't go there right now. I'd stay out of the race. I'd stay out of that conversation before. Now, I know she's trying to make this very sort of conservative free speech argument, but you're running for the United States Senate. And I respect the office too much for you to be flippant and snarky and have cheap political. The governor did this, this did this, this did this. And that's not how we're going to get to judge behavior. And we're doing it more and more in politics, which is to say, Heidi did something bad, but, you know, Greg the day before did something worse. Nope. We should choose what our values are, how we vote, how we make decisions. And if you don't live up to the standard and if you don't live up to the standard, we should litigate those one for one. And she just took this already tough conversation and over-politicized it and made it snarky. And so I, I sort of would have been neutral about her. She's, she's clearly not ideologically in line with me. This takes her off the table for me as a serious person because I don't believe we should be going into the mud more right now. And you want to be the United States senator. This is not in my mind. I, I want decorum back. I, d- I don't mind conflict. I'm, I mean, I think the governor's doing a horrible job with his disagree better too. But what I want is th- people having discussions worthy of their voter, and this is not a discussion I, I, worthy I, of the vote. I, I think it's a little more substantive than you just described because I do think that um, when you call someone an a-hole because you've been told that somebody said a racial slur at a basketball game and you're not I, – I think that, you know, ready, fire, aim – in the public square is a bad thing. And I think that how we respond to people that ready, fire, aim, say something without being informed about what it is, we ought to be able to say these, these things actually do happen and they're not good, but where one she gets, said, Greg, if she wanted to make a policy, well, that's point, a ready, fire, aim. I think she should have made the policy point. Okay. She chose not to do that. Uh, I think that she was, what, I think that, snark. I think there was a bit oh, more I understand her intent. to that, but no, this is not how you express seriousness. Right. Okay. If you want to be serious, be serious. I feel your look. I'm not going to argue if, with you. If she wanted it's to be Friday. a serious person, she should have used serious vernacular. She wants to be snarky. Then, Hey, go lay with the Aren't you limited on the words you can use there? Maybe she had to say it quickly, you know? Maybe had to be. Maybe had to be succinct. Say more. Maybe maybe it's a succinct. I like how you're really thinking. That's right. You know, mine are very long. Nobody reads them because they're very, very, very long. Nobody. I've. You've seen my texts. I have. I have pages. They're they're like crazy long. Telling me, I don't know what you're telling. I know because you'll never read it. it. See, she had to be quick. (laughs) Had to be quick. Maybe that's not snark. You know what? It's Friday. Let's just say okay. 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 I know. I feel like everybody's exhausted right now. If you're listening from the legislative session as you're driving home. Good luck with this last week. Please use our money, our tax money wisely. Make good decisions. Remember who you are. Return with honor. What else would our moms tell us? Uh, That's right. Make make good choices. Make I good choices. The big one. Yeah. Greg, uh, don't do make you, decisions out of fear. I like that. What's one. your big pressure this last week? What's weighing on Greg Hughes's shoulders in the legislative um, session? In the legislature, uh, you know, I'm working on some with some rural counties, and so Kane County uh, has a, a reservoir, and uh, it's exciting. They they watershed that they can capture you know it's a desert state and uh it's the last funding out there you know through the door they've got they've secured grants uh they have local funding and this the legislature has an opportunity to help fund that reservoir and uh 
it predates the Colorado Compact, so it doesn't mess with the allocations of the Colorado River, which makes it less complicated. And, I love uh, a good body of water. Yeah. And 1922, so, it's because it's a closed system. Yeah, so, so, he, so I think that's, that's one that if you get – so what's going to happen this week is there's going to be a list that, that of agreed-upon budget items, and there's going to be a zillion people that look at that list – and either find what they asked for or what they hope to see on there there. And then there'll be people that it's not there. And then that's when the dogs and cats start to fight and people try to get theirs yeah. on the list and people try to protect what they have on the list from getting taken off the list or, or shrunken. And so there's a lot of offense and defense on budget issues that are going to be played next week. Hmm. Good times to be had by all. Yeah. Um, are you going to just stand up and walk back yeah, and watch I it mean, all, or do you have a cat in this? Um, I am. Uh, these are fight. famous last words. I'm going to have to knock on wood, throw salt after I say this because I'm. I, hopefully, my expectation for me next week is that I'm a spectator. So yeah. this was a tough week for some of my issues, but they that's because we do sort of really the gnarly part of policy, so the nuance of it gets really tight. I the budget. Um, yeah, I, th- I hope I'm just a spectator. Well, right. Here it's a thin budget. This, you know, they've had yeah. so many years where there was federal funds. It was it was high times. This budget is is pared back. It's 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 a smaller budget. So there's probably less of those fights that are going to happen. They did foreshadow. I mean, they told people really early. They did that the, they you did. needed to come in with cuts. So hopefully that eases. Well, I guess we just have adjusted to that pain threshold, and hopefully it's. Which is crazy because a couple of years ago we were like dollar dollar bills, yo. We're so rich. <laughs> what do we do with all yeah. this? Let's now roll around. We're giving it. tax cuts, and then we're selling stadiums like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. we got a stadium for everyone who wants one. Well, thanks for joining in the conversation. Enjoy this weekend. It's going to be gorgeous out there because winter, which hasn't really made it to our valleys, is coming next week. So get yeah. your boots out, get ready to go. You may have to finally shovel. Thanks for joining us. 